Well, good morning. I want to say a special welcome to those of you who are new here today or new uh, maybe since Christmas or Christmas Eve. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are delighted if you're joining us here, whether in person or online. Uh, what we're all about is connecting, connecting people to God, connecting people to each other, and engaging our world for good together in his name. We hope you experience a little bit of all those things here this morning. This is week one of a brand new series, a brand new year. We're super excited that all y'all are here with us uh, as we step into the series called Spiritual Power in Everyday Places. Now, true confessions, I was a big fan of the Marvel movies. I was kind of a Marvel nerd, uh, not gonna lie, uh, last, few, last few years, last few decades actually. And, uh, and one of the things that happens in almost every superhero movie is the superhero discovers they've got powers or abilities or they start to invent new gadgets. And, and initially as they're sort of stepping into their new powers, new abilities or trying out the new gadgets, they're a total disaster. They're awkward and they're fumbling and they're sort of trying to find their way around. But eventually as they practice and as they practice and as they practice, they get fluent. They get good at their new powers and new abilities. And then, of course, as the story progresses, they come up against an enemy. And those powers and those skills or those gadgets come in extremely handy in the usefulness of saving the day and living happily ever Us don't even know what that means or what those things are or what that is. And then to make matters worse, unlike in the superhero movies, you come up against an enemy and you don't even see it. You don't even wear it. We don't even have eyes to see that we're up against anything or anybody. So God has equipped us to step into a world where there is spiritual opposition. He's equipped us with powers and authority to push back that opposition. And we don't know through with it or how to make a difference in the world. So here's the proposal for the next five weeks. This is the series we're stepping into. What if in and because and through Jesus, by Jesus in his name, by his power and his grace, all because of Jesus, you are more powerful than you see or know? What if you are more awesome than you even realize? Some of you think you're pretty awesome already. But what if you're awesome in a different kind of a way? What if there's power available to you, through you, in a different kind of a way? And some of you, like, have no idea. Like, some of you don't think yourselves as awesome as all, at all. Some of you have deep voices of shame and guilt or whatever. But listen, what if you are more powerful than you know, but you need to see it and know it, step into it, in part because this, in part because you are up against more opposition than you can see or know. And in part because God has wired you up to make a bigger and a different kind of difference than you can now see or know. What if this is what the scriptures teach? What if this is true? And what if you're here, right where you are, in the places where you are, to make a difference, to change the spiritual atmosphere and environment, right where God has sent you? Now, some of you are super intrigued by this, super geeked out about this, or curious about it. Others of you, you're not so sure about this. Some of you aren't even sure there is a spiritual world. We are so, so glad that you're here. I invite you to come along for the ride. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Because if there is a spiritual world, you want to know about it. It would be great to be aware of it, kind of awake to it, right? Now, some of us have some baggage with this. Some of you grew up in churches or you have a family member or a friend where everything that happens that's bad is like a demon, right? Like ingrown toenail. Oh, the toenail demon. Hmm. Don't want to mess that toenail. Don't nobody want to mess that toenail demon. He's a, whew. Listen, here's, here's the thing. We're not going to, I promise, we are not going to over-spiritualize every problem in the world, right? All kinds of problems, all kinds of reasons. All we're going to do 
is we're going to look at what Jesus teach, teaches, what the scriptures teach. That in Jesus, because of Jesus, by Jesus, in his name, he has wired us up with spiritual authority to change the spiritual temperature in your house, your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, your sports team. To bring spiritual authority to bear. To, to, for God's kingdom to come. God's will to be done. On earth, all over the place. As it is in heaven. That's what we're going to drill down into over these next few weeks. But to start with, we're going to take a look at, at Jesus. Because it all starts and begins with Jesus. And we're going to look at a passage where Jesus introduces this concept to a bunch of guys. To whom it's totally new to them too. It's like they have no concept for this. This is all brand new to them too. We're going to look at how Jesus sort of introduces this concept of spiritual authority to people for whom it was novel. We're going to be in Mark chapter 3 today. If you're brand new to the Bible, we're so glad you're here. There are four biographies of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark was the very first one of these written. So we're in Mark chapter 3. These are the first writings about Jesus that we have in all of history. And early in Mark, in Mark chapter 3, we're early on in Jesus' life and his ministry. He has just started teaching and crowds are gathering around him. But Jesus has more to do than just gathering crowds. He wants to change the world. So here's what he does in Mark 3, starting in verse 13. Mark writes this. Jesus went up on a mountainside, called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who was the one who betrayed him. So... I don't know if you had like a holiday party or Christmas party over the holidays, but the drill is pretty standard, right? You come up with a guest list of people, and you invite the list of people. Some of them you feel like you have to invite. Some of them you really want to come. If you're an introvert, you hope half of them say no. Amen, introverts? But if you're an extrovert like me, you hope not only for 100% attendance, you hope someone says, can I bring 20 of my closest friends? Yay, more people. All you can do is invite and then see if people come. So... At this point in Jesus' ministry, it's early on, he's got crowds, but he doesn't want crowds. He wants to make disciples. So here's what Jesus does. He retreats, goes up to a mountainside, and calls people to himself. And just like for your Christmas party, the people he calls, invites, has to say yes. Now, this isn't for just a one-time event. In this culture, in this understanding, the, the, the rabbis, teachers, would call disciples. And when they called disciples, it meant they were devoting themselves to this rabbi's teaching. Not for like a one-time event, like a one-time gathering, not like a one-time Sunday morning thing. It was, I am leaving everything and I'm following you. I'm studying you. I'm, 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 I'm mimicking you. I'm learning from you. How do you teach the scriptures? How do you unpack things? Like these people devoted their whole lives. When Jesus called these people, they knew it wasn't for a one-time event. They knew it was for an ongoing rest of their life kind of commitment. So Jesus calls these 12, not just to hang out for like coffee for the rest of their lives. And here's what they do. They came to him. They knew that this was signed up for the rest of their life kind of a deal. And they were willing to say, yes, I'll give you however many days I got left, however many hours I got left on this planet. I'm willing to devote myself to walking with you, learning from you, and living life the way that you teach me to live this 
life. And so this morning, first Sunday of a new year, you're here. It's no accident. And the question for you, still early in a brand new year, is Jesus calls you to join him in 2024. Will you come to him and be his disciple? Will you come to him? Come to him for the, for the first time, for some of you, for the very first time. For some of you, for the first time in a long, long, long time, since you've really done anything that looked like being a devoted disciple of Jesus. For some of you, it's the millionth and first time where you're like, yes, I've, I've said yes to this invitation over and over and over again. And the invitation comes again to you. Those of you who have been walking with Jesus for so, so long, Jesus comes to you again this morning and says, I love you. I'm calling you by name. Will you come to me? Will you be with me? This call is not just for a one-time event. Not just to check in occasionally on Sunday mornings. Not just to come to God when things are hard and crisis is crazy and then things get difficult and then the God stuff recedes when everything goes, gets better and you get busy and that's not as important anymore. It kind of fades in the background. It's not a one-time thing. This is a call, an invitation to spend all the rest of your days, every hour of the rest of your days, with him teaching you what it means to live as one that God loves. What it means to live as a disciple of Jesus. To let his teaching shape you, his wisdom direct you, to let his grace and mercy break your heart and open you up, to let his spirit fill you, to let resurrection power, to let the cross shape how you think about living and dying and what you're doing here, to live in light of eternity, because you are a follower of Jesus, because you're a disciple of Jesus, because he's called you by name, and you said yes to that invitation. We got people around here say yes to that invitation all the time. One woman described saying yes to that invitation this way. She said, it was like I was sleepwalking. Like spiritually, relationally, I had some relationships, I had some things going on in my life. But it was, like, it was like I was just sleepwalking. And saying yes to Jesus and stepping into this community, it was like coming awake to a spiritual life. I didn't even know I was missing. I didn't know I was missing it. I had no idea it was even there. And so a community of people that love me like no other community ever has before. Come awake, my friends. Those of you who are sleepwalking, come awake. One guy described his story this way. He was kind of a jerk. He was arrogant, he was aggressive, and he was very successful. And one day he woke up and realized his arrogance and aggression actually was completely destroying his life and everything that mattered most to him. And he, to his credit, was totally broken before God. He asked for forgiveness. He came to the Lord. And now, instead of being arrogant and aggressive, he is gracious and humble and kind. And you know what? He is stronger than he was before, just a different kind of strength. He is now a blessing to the people around him, not a curse to people around him. His co-workers used to hate him. Now he serves them. That's what Jesus does. His wife used to put up with him. Now she actually likes him. Wouldn't that be nice? That was because of Jesus. His kids, adult kids, that he had very strained relationships with, slowly but surely, rebuilding trust with them. Because the spirit of Christ has replaced the spirit of anger and aggression. He's a new man because he said yes to the invitation to Jesus. My question for you, are you willing to be his disciple before the Lord? Will you do that for the first time, for the first time in a long time, for the millionth and first time? Devote yourself to his teaching. Follow him all the rest of your days. Learn from him. Let his spirit shape you and remake you. This is a beautiful invitation. But it's helpful to know, like, what you're signing up for, right? If you, if, if you say yes to this thing to Jesus, what is he expecting of you? What's the thing he's asking of you? And we get this description of what the job description uh, is for these disciples that applies to all of us as well. We get three parts to this job description. Part one is this. He appointed the 12, 
that they might be with him. Now, most of us have someone who only calls you or reaches out to you when they need something, right? You know that person? You guys in mind? You get the email, you get the phone call, it pops up, you're like, oh man, this is just a person who's always asking something from me. If you are that person to somebody, please, in 2024, New Year's resolution time, don't be that person anymore. Like, the people that just ask for stuff from us when they only call us when they need something, it gets taxing after a while. So here's the question. If Jesus is calling you, what does he want? What does he want from you? Good news. You know what he wants from you? He wants to be with you. Job number one. Description number one. Just be with Jesus. Not do a lot of stuff. Not do a lot of religious stuff. Some of you burned out on religion. Good news. Jesus doesn't call you to religion. He calls you to a relationship with himself. Some of you, your whole life you grew up in churches where it's all about do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts. The only way that God likes you or approves of you is if you like walk this like minefield of like performing just right and stay on the sort of this sort of tightrope. You got to walk it perfectly or else God is going to be so upset at you, so angry, he's all going to go, your whole life's going to fall apart. Listen, I got really, really good news. The doing matters, but the being comes first. Just be with Later, Jesus will talk about it this way. He says, I am the branch. I'm the vine. You are the branch. Your job is just to root yourself in me. Let my life flow through you. Pray. Seek my face. I just want to be with you. I just want to know you. I want you to have my spirit to bear new kinds of fruit in your life. Job number one, just be with Jesus. Don't do a lot of stuff. The doing is going to come eventually. But it starts with being with the one who has called you to himself. Do you remember back in elementary school, you learned some basic grammar that you blocked out? Like women block out childbirth pains? you like, grammar, forget that. But there was a thing that you learned in elementary school in grammar that said every sentence has to have a noun. Remember that? Every sentence has, has to have a noun. But the problem is some sentences are really short and they don't have a noun. Like stop, go, right? And there's this thing called you understood, right? You understood the noun of that sentence was you. Like you stop, you go, even if you didn't say it. There's also a you understood in this sentence, but it's not quite as clear. And, the, and the, 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 the thing that's understood in this call from Jesus to these disciples is this. Y'all together understood. Because Jesus loved y'all. He appointed 12 to be with him. That y'all together might all be with him. The call is to these 12 men. Not just to be with him in isolation, but to be with him together. He calls 12 guys that were would not have hung out otherwise. They were different political parties. There were some super strong personalities. They are going to grate on each other's last nerves for the rest of their lives. And Jesus says, yes, that's what I'm looking for. I want you to learn to love each other. I'm going to shape you through each other. I'm going to teach you, and then y'all are going to teach y'all. I'm going to work with you, and then y'all are going to work with each other. Every call from Jesus includes the call to be in community with other people who have said yes to that call. Every call from Jesus is a call to community, to be with others who have said yes to that exact same call. About eight months ago, May 2023, the U.S. Surgeon General released a study on, on what they called the epidemic of loneliness in America post-COVID. And they described the psychological, emotional, physical consequences of loneliness. And here's what the U.S. Surgeon General declared. They said, lacking connection can increase the risk for premature death to levels comparable to smoking daily. You were not made to be alone. Not even post-COVID. 
No, no matter how anxious, no matter how fearful, you were not made to be alone. Jesus knows this, so he calls you into the y'all, into community. Now here's the problem with community and with people. People are messy. Not you, of course. You're perfect. Everyone else is messy. And so we have these challenges, right? We have these challenges of being in community because these things have happened to us. Some of you, your worst moments, your worst pain in life has been given to you by people you should have been able to trust. And then they betrayed you. Some of you, your worst pain, your worst moments came in a setting just like this. A church, church people did damage to you, hurt you. And here's part of the problem, right? Part of the problem is this for some of you. No one ever took responsibility. No one ever apologized. No one ever owned up and said, this is wrong. This shouldn't have been done. So here's what I want to do for you. For those of you who are here this morning, got church baggage, and you're struggling, and you're even walking through the door is hard for some of you. I'm so glad you're here. It's so much courage. Some of you are online. Thank you for even just checking us out online. I know it's so, so hard for some of you. Here's what I want to do this morning. This morning, I want to do something new. Here's, here's what I'm going to do. No one took responsibility. They should have. It shouldn't have happened. Here's what I'm going to do. This morning, in Jesus' name, I take responsibility. I'm a church guy. I take responsibility. I take total responsibility. For everything that happened to you, it shouldn't have happened. It was wrong. And the people that did it to you were not representing Jesus in the moment. They failed you. They shouldn't have. And I'm going to ask, in Jesus' name, that you would forgive me for the wrong the church has done to you. So that you might be set free. Because here's the thing. You don't want whatever happened to you to have more power over you to ruin your life for the rest of your life. You don't want what happened to you to cut you off from community. The Lord has called you into community, to Christian community. And the longer you allow that pain to have influence over your unwillingness to be a part of a Christian community, it just cuts you off more and more. It gives more power to the thing that happened to you maybe years and years and years ago. So I plead with you, forgive me, forgive us. And then come, maybe small steps, baby steps, into community. Because that's what God calls us into. Community is hard. Church is hard. People are messy. Now, on top of all this, we're all wired differently, right? Some of us are wired to be very social. Some of you are wired up to be total loners, right? So I want to talk to my loners for a second here. Because loners have a different kind of wiring. And, I want, and this, this seems to be particularly uh, prevalent among men. Not just men, but particularly men. So I want to talk to the, the, the loners here in the room. Now, uh, here's the thing. Loners, you don't particularly care for people. And sometimes the feeling is mutual, Amen. You don't like people, like, I don't care if they don't like me or not. Like, that's just how I am, right? So, loners, here's what I want to say to you. A couple things. One, you also were not made to be alone. Like, you weren't made to be alone. You weren't made to be cut off from people. You also were made for community. That's also a part of you. But perhaps even more than that, to my loners, I want to invite you in. Here's the deal. God has given you gifts, abilities, and experiences that are not meant for you to go off on your own and live apart from community. He has given you gifts skills, experiences that are supposed to be for the people around you? What if someone two rows ahead of you, two rows behind you, so what if someone sort of a couple seats over that you don't know yet needs exactly what you bring to this community this morning? Here's the deal. Y'all, God has said to the church, go and be a spiritually disruptive force around the world. God called Chattanooga Church to be a spiritually disruptive force around the world, in our community, to, that people come in here broken and weary, they might be comforted. Marriages come in here hanging by a thread and they're healed. Families are in total disarray to come here and find peace 
and order. People come in here lost, distracted, sleepwalking through life, and they come awake to the salvation of our God. Addictions are broken here in this room. Lives are changed here in this room. But I tell you what, the work is great. The challenge is great. And we need every single person who said yes to Jesus to bring your time, your experiences, your talents, your treasures, to bring all those things to the table. Because it's a great big community. And we're a small little church. But we long to see God do disproportionate, more than we could ask or imagine, to bear disproportionate fruit. The ways that God loves to do beautiful, crazy things is through ordinary people like you and me, even the loners. He says, come, find your seat, find your spot. Could be one-on-one, could be with a person, could be a small group. It could be coming to Sunday mornings more regularly, finding ways to get community, get connected to the community of God's people, God's grace. My friends, my question for some of you is, are you willing to make the y'all follow me together a priority in 2024? Are you willing to make y'all follow me together a priority in 2024? Again, not just checking in occasionally, finding ways to become a part of the community, finding ways to bring your gifts, your talents, and also being open to the fact that maybe someone around here has something to show you or tell you or teach you about spiritual life. About fixing your car, about dealing with your finances, about navigating challenges with your kids, small kids, adult kids. Maybe someone around here has something to teach you, show you, help you to follow Jesus a little more closely. To help you to walk the journey God's called you to. Are you willing to make y'all together a priority? This is the first bundled up call, right? As Jesus calls the 12, he says, I want y'all to follow me together. Are you willing to say yes to that invitation? But there's a second part to sort of this whole job description of being a disciple that we get outlined here. This is part two of the job description that Jesus says that he has called them to send them out to preach. Now some of you see that verb preach and you recoil immediately. Ah, preaching. Like, I don't like the word preach, and I do it for a living, okay? Like, I don't tell people that I preach. Like, I don't, I don't like calling me a preacher. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, that feels, cre- feels creepy and weird. I don't know. Like, preaching is not a good thing, right? And on top of that, like, listen, not all y'all should be preaching. Not everyone's got, like, not everyone's got that gift, right? So, so here's the thing. What, is, what does this mean? But, like, like, obviously the disciples, the 12, they are going to be sent out explicitly to preach. But let's sort of puree this, let's sort of shape this a little bit. What does it mean for us as followers of Jesus? I want to I want to say, listen, the sent out is the key verb. Sent out. Sent out to live it out and to talk it out. Disciples are sent out to preach. We are also sent out to live it out and talk it out. Live it out. Like have a life that looks like Jesus, where faith, hope, love is shaping how you're living. You forgive people that sin against you because of Jesus. You look out for the poor and the marginalized because of Jesus. You live a life that's distinctive. And then you find ways to give words around it, to explain the hope. Why? In the midst, you say to your coworker, your friend, your neighbor, hey, I'm a little stressed or things are a little bit hard, but you know what? I'm praying about it. Just try and trust God in this moment. Even if it's hard for you, even if, I'm, even if you're struggling, just acknowledge that too. One of the things that I'm working on is just telling people that I'm praying for them, even if I don't know they want me to be praying for them. Like, hey, you know what? That sounds really hard. I'm praying for you. One of the things I'm going to be bolder about in 2024 is offering to pray for them right there in that moment. Hey, can I just pray for you? Like, a really short prayer. Can I just pray for you? God, would you just give them peace? Amen. God, would you just bring healing to that situation? Amen. Short, simple. But finding ways to live it out and talk it out, that's what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus, to be sent out. As people who smell like Jesus, look like Jesus, are living out life with Jesus. 
So you got these two, part, these, these, these two parts of job description, right? To be with Jesus and with others in the context of community. And then to live as sent ones, right? To, to live it out and to talk it out together. Now, these two things are so core to what it means to be a Jesus person and a follower of Jesus. And for some of you, this is exactly where you are. Like, you need to wrestle with, am I actually going to be a, say yes to Jesus this morning? And we're so glad you're here. This is exactly where you are. We talk about these, these things in church world all the time. But there's this third thing that Jesus says the disciples get to do. He wants them to do. And usually we just kind of gloss over it because it sounds weird and we don't know what to do with it. But this is the third part of the whole thing. That they have the authority to drive out demons. So if the other two parts of the job description apply to us today, what do we do with this third part of it? All right, I've already done some weird English stuff with you understood in the grammar thing. Can you bear with me for one more English major nerd thing, okay, for just a second? Just one more, I promise, no more after this. There's this thing in, in literature called Chekhov's Gun. Chekhov was a, a, Russian, a Russian writer. He wrote stories, he wrote plays, brilliant. And he had this great insight about how to write a good, compelling narrative or story. Here's Chekhov's Gun summarized. It says this. If there's a gun on the wall in Act 1, Scene 1 of a play, you must fire the gun by Act 3, Scene 2. If you fire a gun in Act 3, Scene 2, you must see the gun on the wall in Act 1, Scene 1. So the whole idea is like this. You, you're, you're planting things in the story that foreshadow what's to come. And you're, you're planting things in the story that are super important and are going to play a major role, even if they look like they're just background and background noise at the beginning. So when Jesus here, Act 1, Scene 1, this is Act 1, Scene 1 with his disciples. And in Act 1, scene 1, with his disciples, Jesus says, I'm going to give you authority to drive out demons. So this is Act 1, scene 1, with the disciples. What's going to happen to them in Act 3, scene 2? What kind of opposition are they going to face? Yeah. Spiritual opposition. They're going to face spiritual opposition. For the rest of their lives with Jesus, they're going to face spiritual opposition. And they're going to watch Jesus drive out demons and do crazy things. And then Jesus is going to leave them and he's going to say to them, go and make disciples of all the nations. And everywhere they go, you know what's already there waiting for them? Spiritual opposition. And so Jesus is equipping them to have authority to drive out demons because that is exactly the kind of opposition they are going to face. And if Jesus gives them that kind of authority... Because they're going to face that kind of opposition. What do you think it means for us? That maybe we too are going to come face to face with spiritual opposition. Let me sort of, let me sort of, sort of broaden that beyond sort of just driving out demons. Let me, drive, let, me, let me sort of give this definition. That Jesus gives his disciples authority and the power to push back spiritual opposition. Spiritual opposition in any way, shape, or form that it takes. My proposal, we're going to plant the flag here because we're going to unpack the rest of the series is about this. My proposal is this. The first two sort of parts of the job description apply to us today. This does too. And my proposal to you is this, that you and I, we live in spiritually contested space. Your home is a spiritually contested space. Your workplace, spiritually contested space. Your school, spiritually contested space. Your neighborhood, spiritually contested space. Chatham County is a spiritually contested space. Every time I pray for Chatham County, you know what I have a sense of? You know what I find most, I'm praying against the most? Addictions. That there's a spirit of addiction across Chatham County. You know how many conversations I've had in the last month with people whose spouses are laboring under addiction? Like marriages hanging by a thread. People who just can't put up with it anymore because their spouse is battling addiction. You know how widespread that is in Chatham County? There's a spiritual layer, a spirit of addiction across Chatham County that I'm praying against. That I want to invite you to be a part of. Because God has given you spiritual authority to push back the spirits that are set against his people right here, right now. 
because there, is, there are spirits that we're up against. And here's the deal. If you don't take authority over and against those spirits, what happens? You know what happens? Nothing happens. Those spirits get to keep doing whatever they're doing. Again, hear me. Not everything that happens has a demon attached to it. But many things that happen, like addictions, have multiple layers to them. Some are physiological, some are genetic, some are, some are family history. But if there's a spiritual layer to this, and what if you have the power to cast out and push back the spiritual layer? And what if you could just deal with the physical? Listen, sometimes people are just being stupid, amen? But if people are being stupid and there's a spiritual layer to it, there's all kinds of power released in the negative. What if you have the power... To push back the spiritual layer so you're just dealing with a stupid human being. Wouldn't that be nice? We're going to spend these next five weeks drilling down into what does it mean that you, as a disciple of Jesus, have the authority to push back the spiritual layer of opposition that is at work wherever you go. Not everywhere, not all things, but is at work on the regular. And we're going to talk about what does it mean to sort of step into that. We're going to fumble around in that. We're going to kind of do our best to kind of figure that out. Because, my friends, there is spiritual opposition out there. You live in contested space. And we want you to be equipped to go and be a part of God's kingdom coming, God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. But we had to start with the call to follow Jesus. Because the whole thing starts with, ends with, is because of, in his name, the name of Jesus. So today's wildly important take-homes, we're going to pull back to that thing we said at the very, very beginning. In Jesus, because of Jesus, through Jesus. What if this is true? What if you are more powerful than you now see or know, but you need to see it or know it, in part because you are up against opposition and more opposition, different kinds of opposition than you can now see or know, and in part because God has wired you up to make a bigger, a different kind of difference than you can now see or know. So that's where we're starting, as we're heading. We're going to kind of keep drilling down into this over the next few weeks. A few prompts coming off today. First off is this. It starts with this call to be a disciple. Disciples in community, are you willing to say yes? For some of you, this is the most important thing you can do, most important thing you can say. This is the question for you. This is, not, this is not the most important question of the morning. It's the most important question of your life. If, G, if you are here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, and if he's calling you by name, you're going to say yes. Say yes to him. For the first time? First time in a long time? Millionth of first time. And are you willing to say yes to his Crazy call to do that in community, which is not always convenient, sometimes messy. Are you willing to come and let him shape you through the people around you? Part two of the job description of disciples is this. You're sent out to live it out and talk it out. How might you be more intentional to talk out and live out the way of Jesus? Tell, just tell people, I'm praying for you. Tell people, or ask people, can I pray for you? Where has God sent you to be a person who's living it out and talking it out and being a disciple as best as you faithfully know how uh, and inviting people into God's kingdom, God's work, just telling them who you are and who Jesus is and sharing little, I'm not talking about preaching and long sermons, I'm just talking about little bits, little pieces of kind of who you are and who God is at you, in your life and how you're trying to trust him day by day. And then part three, this last part that we're going to camp out in and unpack and drill down into for the next several weeks, Jesus gives his disciples authority and power to push back opposition and I want to invite you to pray this prayer. God, would you give me eyes to see where I'm in spiritually contested space? God, would you give me eyes to see where I'm in spiritually contested space? You're just asking to see, right, that there's a problem that God wants you to solve, actually created you to solve, actually has equipped you to solve. I want to invite you just to invite for God to give you a sense of where you might be in spiritually contested space. Here's the deal. As we press into this whole thing, this is in my notes, we are expecting greater spiritual opposition. We're expecting things to go wonky. If you came in fashionably late this morning, 
for the first three minutes, we had no sound. We had great sound literally 15 minutes before that. We'd done sound check. Everything was working. Nothing should have gone wrong when we started this morning. Nothing. There was no reason for it. First three minutes, everything dies. You know what I'm back there doing? Like, I'm staying out of it because I don't know anything. You know what I'm doing, though? I'm back there praying. Because this isn't, this isn't technical. It's spiritual. Not everything is a spiritual battle. But that, right there, 15 minutes ago is working. Now it's suddenly not for no reason. Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord Jesus. Not everything is spiritual. Some things are. God, give me eyes to see. Where I'm already in spiritually contested space. Because if you begin to see your need for this, you're going to embrace it. Be more open to it. The good news that you are wired up with more power, more authority than you even know. To make a bigger, different kind of difference than you can even see, ever see. In everyday, beautiful, normal places. And today as we open up this whole series, it all starts with Jesus. It all starts with Jesus. The power and authority is in Jesus, through Jesus, because of Jesus and by Jesus. And the place where power and authority gets taken up is when he takes up the cross. He shows us what power and authority is for. He shows us what power and authority is for. The shape of it. You know what power and authority is for? Not to elevate yourself, but to serve others. That's what power and authority is for. And so Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, does what he's always doing. He took ordinary things and made them extraordinary. He took bread and he broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. He took a cup. He said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. He surrenders to the cross. On the third day, God the Father raises him from the dead. That the name of Jesus Christ, who has all authority in heaven and earth, every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We come to this communion station surrendering to his authority that he might fill us with his spirit with his life, with his love. As we move to our time of communion, the stations are two in the front, one in the back. Bread's gluten-free, cup is grape juice, so everyone's invited. We invite you to get the elements, bring them back to your seat, hold them, pray over them, pray with the Lord, do whatever business you need to do with the Lord, and then we'll eat and drink together. As we always do with communion Sundays, there's a prayer team available right through those curtains. Today, some of you need to make a decision and say yes to the call to follow Jesus. Some of you need to say yes to the call to follow Jesus for the first time, for the first time in a long time, or for the millionth of first time. Some of you need to say yes to that invitation, to be a disciple and a follower. And so this morning, if you want to say yes to that call, the prayer team is right there. They would love to listen to you and just pray over you. All, you got other stuff, some of you got other stuff going on. You got medical stuff, you got family stuff. You're coming in today burdened and heavy and, and, and weighed down. And the Lord would love to help you to carry that, to have it be a lighter load. I invite you to go and get prayer as we move to our time of communion. Let me pray for us as we move now into this time. Lord Jesus, we bless you, we praise you, and we ask that your spirit would help us to have eyes to see you and be awake to what you want to do here in us and through us in this moment. So come, Lord Jesus, take these elements, soften our hearts. Help us to receive your power and your authority. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.